You're listening to 106.9 Tune FM during your O week, and we're joined by Dr. Sandy Boucher from Philosophy. How are you? Good, thank you. Thanks um, for having me. No worries <laughs> at all. Um, so, what units are you teaching here at UNE this year? So, I teach six philosophy units, they're not all offered every year. I teach The Art of Good Thinking, which is an introduction to logic and critical thinking. I teach a unit called Sex and Death, Philosophy of I- Issues in the Philosophy of Biology. I teach an introduction to metaphysics, first year unit. I teach a unit called Reason and Choice, Social Political Individual. I teach an upper level logic unit called Elementary Logic. And I teach an upper level Philosophy of Science unit called Philosophy of Science. Plenty of philosophy oh. then. So, <laughs> indeed. What is something that everybody thinks about philosophy that's just plain wrong? Well, people tend to assimilate philosophy to religion and mysticism um, on the basis, I suppose, that philosophy, religion and so on address the big, deep, profound questions of existence. But it's a bit of a bugbear of philosophy that philosophy tends to be grouped with you know, mystical, visionary um, ways of thinking of, of the world. And philosophy books tend to be found with books on New Age mysticism in bookshops and so on. It's a bit of a bugbear because philosophers kind of pride ourselves on um, rationality and reason. And we think of philosophy as the disciplined and rigorous application of reasoned argument and analysis to addressing fundamental questions of human existence and our place in the world. And so as such, it doesn't have much to do with um, mystical visions, uh, metaphysical in the kind of uh, non-professional philosophy sense of metaphysical um, stuff. or as we say to our students, it's fine to have uh, a metaphysical, striking vision of the way that the world is, of the way that reality fundamentally is, but it's not philosophy until we actually start arguing for, trying to give reasons for believing in the truth of those kind of visions about how reality fundamentally is. And so just sort of distinguishing philosophy from that kind of mystical thinking is a big part of getting students to understand what philosophy is all about. Okay. Well, what's one thing that students can do in your units to help them get a better grade? Uh, bribe me, of course. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, seriously. Um, well, it's a fairly boring answer, I suppose, but just doing the reading, um, just doing the reading would be a step forward for some uh, students. <laughs> but... Doing in philosophy, we encourage students not just to read in a fairly superficial way, but to read and reread the texts and try and work out what the structure of the reasoning is in the text. And so we try and set a smaller total amount of reading in philosophy than, say, in history or other areas, but encourage students to study in depth what's being argued and to think deeply about what they're reading. Because philosophy, of course, is not just about learning lots of facts. We don't really impart information as such in philosophy. It's all about reasoning and argumentation and thinking through the arguments for views, what's wrong with those arguments, different ways of uh, interpreting and evaluating the arguments for views, and just thinking hard about what you're reading. 
yeah, that would probably be my short answer. Okay. What would be your dream research location? Well, UNE, of course, <laughs> amongst the sheep and the kangaroos and the koalas. But failing that, I suppose Cambridge, Massachusetts would be not a bad place. Yeah, that would be a very good place, I think, <laughs> from a career standpoint. Um, what are you passionate about at the moment? Could be your research or something else in your life. Well, probably my four-month-old baby at home oh, in terms cute. of a, for a sentimental answer. Um, in terms of my research, just at the moment, I'm passionate about the idea of having some time for research moving into my non-teaching period if I can tear myself away from um, administrative responsibilities and have a bit of time for research which can be a bit challenging sometimes um, but and I suppose more specifically there's a bit of a passion project a paper I've been working on that's been kind of gestating for a few years that's a bit of an ambitious project that probably no one will want to get published but um, that no one will probably want to publish. But uh, it's to do with issues in the units of selection, which is a particular cons a conceptual issue within the philosophy of biology that I work on. And so I'm, I'm sort of working on other papers that have more chance of probably seeing the light of day, but this is a kind of long-term passion project that um, maybe one day might see the light of day. So that's a, yeah, a passion of mine. Always nice to have a, a passion project. Um, what were you good at and bad at when you were a student? Um, I was bad at maths and to begin with not so good at logic when I started I was interested in philosophy but I when I took introductory logic units um, I just didn't quite get it and I struggled to see the point and it wasn't until I started as a grad student at the University of Connecticut when I was in the graduate program there many years ago. And they basically said, look, you're going to be teaching introductory logic, whether you like it or not, because the, um, the money that you get, the scholarships that you get, come with these teaching responsibilities in the States. And so I realised if I was going to be teaching introduction to logic, I'd better quickly teach myself the <laughs> basics of it. So that was um, forced upon me. And um, then, obviously, uh, teaching something is the best way of figuring out what you do and don't know about something. So that was a sharp learning curve. But I suppose that more formal, technical stuff, symbolic logic, I was always not so great at maths and so forth. When I was in school, there was this sense that you had to choose science type, maths type directions, or more humanities type stuff. And so I very much saw myself as on the humanities side. But then ironically, after becoming a philosopher and getting interested in the philosophy of science and the philosophy of biology, I sort of came back to science and began to understand that this divide between science and the humanities and the idea that you've got to be, one, be on one side or the other is a bit, uh, of a, bit of a bit of a myth. And so I've become much more interested in science, in particular the science of evolutionary biology, through my interest in the philosophy of biology. That's wonderful. Um, and what do you wish you knew when you were starting out at university that you want your students to know now? Well, I just didn't know much about academia and how it worked and what was required of an academic. I kind of had this naive picture that if you're interested in 
something like philosophy and could just kind of become a philosophy teacher and maybe publish a bit of stuff if you're interested in that. Um, I just didn't know much about how academia worked and I spent my first few years as an undergrad doing more student activist and political type, political activist type stuff than attending to my studies. And then when I realised that I would like to pursue an academic career at least to begin with um, postgraduate work in philosophy, um, I began to learn a little bit more about what's actually involved. Most um, people when asked this question I think would say that they wish they had a clearer sense of how challenging the road is, especially in this day and age, um, to becoming a, an academic. And if they'd known that, not to such an extent that they lose all hope and become utterly pessimistic, but just to have a realistic sense of what's involved in terms of orienting towards trying to publish your work before you get a PhD, before you finish your PhD, trying to turn chapters of your PhD into publications if you can and so forth, then you'll be in a much stronger position in the very challenging job market within philosophy and, of course, in other um, areas of, of academia these days. So just being a bit better prepared in that respect, if you're pursuing a career in academia, which of course you may not be as a student. Well, thank you so much for joining us and wish you all the best for another exciting year in philosophy here at UNE. Thank you very much. You're listening to 106.9 Tune FM. I hope you're having a wonderful O week.